Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Bless you. Woo, come on, let's give the Lord a hand. That was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful moment there. If you haven't yet been baptized, we just can't encourage you enough to join a connect group, chat to your connect group leader, and uh, let's do that. The, the water's full, you know. That pool is full, so we can do some more next week if you want. <laughs> Amen. You, good to see you guys. Wonderful to be in the house of God again. Um, let's get into some word, and uh, if you have a Bible, let's go to the book of Second Samuel, chapter nine. Do you guys do you have Bibles this morning? I mean, it's gone are the days that we actually bring books, Bible books, to church. We're all on gadgets and phones now, except for my wife and Knox holding fort. Come on, and because real disciple there in the Dlamini home, Rooney, you've got your Bible too. Come on, girls. Um, yeah, so if those of you who are using gadgets, that's cool. Just make sure you're in airplane mode and you're, and you're not checking your WhatsApp status, Facebook, whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I really believe that um, us coming back together again is an important moment. I feel like this is an important moment. And so we've decided just to put the Believe series on pause. And, uh, and I've been trusting the Lord just to bring... A, a word for us as a family this morning, something that can just speak into the to to what lies ahead, um, and also a word of healing for for some of us who have who have really suffered in the last seven or eight months. And uh, I really feel like God has has given me something for us as a family. The last seven months have been painful for a lot of us, but they've also been extremely purposeful. And uh, I really believe the new season that lies ahead for us is one of revival, of one of increased anointing, one of uh, new wine, if you like. You know, I arrived this morning at the building and, and just went in to go pray before the service. And I just pushed play on my playlist, which was on shuffle. And the first song that came up was New Wine. You know the song New Wine? And I was just like, ha, that's really funny. You know, <laughs> that the, the first moment I'd come in here, the song that would play is the, is the song New Wine. And, and that's really what we're expecting God for. And my sermon is entitled Ziba. Can you say Ziba? Ziba. Under those masks. Say it again. Ziba. Ziba. All right. So that's the title of my sermon. And we're in Second Samuel and we're going to go to chapter 9. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 5 for now. So... Father, we thank you that you just bless this word as we go forth. Amen. It says, Now David said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for whose sake? For Jonathan's sake. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was? Say it again. Come on. Whose name was? Ziba. I think that's a cool name. You didn't know this, that, that we were talking about a person this morning when I told you my sermon title. Hey, we're talking about Ziba this morning. What a cool name. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still 
someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Macher, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Can you say Lodibar? I'm totally going to max us being back in the room today. So I'm going to make you talk a lot, okay? <laughs> That's how we do this thing, okay? Sorry, but I'm just enjoying it too much. Then the king said, sent and brought him out of the house of Macher, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Let's just push pause there for a moment. Let me bring some, some context to this to the story. So we have a number of characters here. We, we hear the name David, we hear the name Saul, Jonathan, and, uh, and also Ziba here. So the background to the story is this, is that um, Saul was anointed the king of Israel. And uh, God chose him as a king, God anointed him as a king, and, and within his ranks there grew up a young boy called David, who was an anointed, appointed, powerful soldier. Not just any soldier, but like, you know, a Goliath-killing soldier. You know, like just like we have soccer players, and then we have Messi. You know, not just an average soccer player like Ronaldo or anything like that. We're talking, we're talking Messi, you know, that level, yeah. Ah, amen. You know, not just a rugby player, we're talking Khaleesi here. Not just an entrepreneur, we're talking Jeff Bezos, we're talking, you know, Branson. We talk, this, is, this is what David was in his generation. He was just an anointed, powerful, gifted young man. And, they, I mean, and Saul couldn't handle it. Because the crowds would sing, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. And so Saul gets jealous in his heart of this young, powerful leader. He gets so jealous that he actually turns into like this bitterness, it turns into this hatred, and all he wants to do is kill David and wipe David out. And so for years, David becomes a fugitive. I don't know how long, I think it's like 15 more or more years. David is on the run for his life. Saul is trying to kill him. However... God was with David. And because of Saul's actions, God had, God had rejected Saul as king because he had turned away from God. And so what we see is that the anointing leaves Saul and he goes into battle and Saul is killed in battle with his three sons. The nation of Israel plunges into civil war for a number of years and eventually David is made king over the whole nation of Israel. So... Just to give you a little bit of background into the times that we're talking about. In those times, what would happen when there was, when there was kind of like this, um, this, this family war, the house of David versus the house of Saul, you know? And it says in the Bible that the house of David grew stronger and the house of Saul grew weaker. There was this, you know, kind of like, you know, Romeo and Juliet, they were part of two families, this like war between these two families. What would happen in the old days is that when the one family would take over from the other, they would then go and kill, all right? It was bloodthirsty days, all right? Thank God for Jesus, amen? Jesus changed the world, people. The world would be a lot more violent if Jesus didn't come. Um, and, and what they would do is they would go and kill everyone from the previous family's lineage. Wipe them out. Babies, children, even servants, those who are loyal to the previous. They would kill everyone. Why? 
because they didn't want any coup or rebellion to take place maybe later in life. That maybe they didn't want to leave anyone with some sort of legal right or access to the throne out there in case they, they would, you know, start a coup or create some sort of rebellion and gather some armies and, and claim the throne. So, th- so they would just go wipe everyone out. That was the custom in the day. That's what culture did in those times. Okay, But we see something in this passage that is completely different. David was completely different to any other king, really. To any other culture in, or to, to the culture of the time. David was not a power-hungry man. If he wanted to seize that throne of souls with power, he would have done it. And he had plenty of opportunity to do it. But he chose not to. He chose to believe that God was the author of his destiny. That God was the one who had called him and appointed him. And that God would put him in that place one day. And until that day comes, he would honor and respect his leadership no matter how bad his leadership was. You know, the principle of honor is what we learn from David. And so David just keeps honoring Saul, keeps honoring Saul. And eventually God does put David on the throne. So David, now completely different to anything in his culture, he says, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Which is, I want you to understand how foreign that was. Normally a king would say, is there anybody left so we can just... (laughs) Whatever. You know, let's go kill him. You know, let's let's go wipe him out. But David says, is there anyone left that I might show him? Kindness or grace, some versions of the Bible say. I want you to understand that David is asking, is there anyone with legal claim... To the, throne of God, to the throne of Israel that I might show him kindness. This is foreign. This is something so different to the time that, that we're in. And it's in this moment that we get introduced to this character called Ziba. And what we know from this passage that we just read here is that Ziba used to serve Saul. He's, he's introduced here as a servant of Saul. And yet, now we see him as a servant of of David. So something's happened in Ziba's life. This is also crazy because normally the servants of Saul would die or run for their lives when Saul was killed in battle. They wouldn't stay, they wouldn't hang around, they wouldn't they would they would be too nervous to but but not Ziba. Ziba made a switch. He was serving Saul, but it something happened in his life that then made him realize who God had anointed as king. And he switched allegiance and he started serving Daniel. I mean David. And David and David seems okay with that as well. I mean David is is the epitome of like someone who is secure in God. God gave me this position. I don't need to keep looking over my shoulder. I don't have to worry if so and so has got it out to kill me. I don't have to God is the one who got me here. He's got me. This confidence that David has in God. And so we get introduced to Ziba, and Ziba knows of someone a, 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 from the line of Saul. He knows that there is actually a grandson. And where is this grandson? He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, 
in a place called Lodi Bar. Can you say Lodi Bar? Lodi Bar. So there's so there is a descendant of Saul. There is someone with a claim to the throne that is out there. And so let's just rewind like a few chapters. We're going to go to Second uh, Samuel chapter four to find out who this mysterious person is that has legal right to the throne. All right, let's go back a few chapters. Chapter 4, verse 4, it says the following. Jonathan, Saul's son. So Saul had a son called Jonathan, who was David's friend. And Jonathan had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan being killed in battle came from Jezreel. So he is five years old when he hears the news that his granddad, the king, has been killed. And at the same time, his father, the prince, the next in line to the throne, has also been killed. All right, now he is the last surviving one. And look at what it says. And his nurse took him when he was five years old and they fled. Why would his nurse flee? Well, out of fear, they thought David's going to come and wipe us all out. That's what kings do, all right? When the, the one dies and the other one takes over, he's going to wipe out everybody. So what did they do? They, they fled for their lives. And in the fleeing, what happened as she made haste to flee, it says that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. His name was Mephibosheth. So here we see this mysterious descendant of Saul. His name is Mephibosheth. Say that three times first. <laughs> That's pretty hard, eh? <laughs> so Mephibosheth. And he, tragedy strikes his life. Now, if we can just imagine for the moment, I want us just to get into the, into the, the mind of Mephibosheth, into the life of Mephibosheth. Here's this young boy. He's five years old. He's grown up. He, his daddy's the king. All right. So that's got to be pretty cool, hey? I mean, you're growing up, your dad's the king. So the king, king granddad is on the throne. And his dad is a prince and a warrior. So he's growing up where? In the palace. He's got nurses. He's got lots of good food. He's probably got all the wooden swords he could play with. You know, he's got this life of potential. He's got this life of promise. He's in line to be on the throne. He's, he's growing up in a culture where he's waited on and served. He's, he's got everything that he needs. I mean, come on, people in the palace, you know, he's living the life. He's got all the toys he needs. He's got all the life he needs. He's got everything he wants. He's growing up and then tragedy hits. He's, his whole life changes in just one day. In just one day, he loses his granddad, he loses his dad, and he gets dropped. And, and in some way, his, his, his feet, it says, lame in his feet. So he, in some way, his feet got broken. And, and so, you know, in those days, they didn't have doctors and surgery, and they couldn't just, like, if your leg got broken, then your leg's broken, huh? You don't know, like you can't go for surgery and get the bones straightened and a plaster cast and so everything can grow back straight and then you can walk again. And, you know, I, I've, I've broken my femur before. I got, I got hit by a car. I was in traction for weeks. Then I was in surgery. Then I had a metal pin put down my leg from my hip to my, to, to my knee inside the bone. I mean, I, if, if I was living in those days, I might not be able to stand before you today. 
All right? And so this is Mephibosheth's life. He gets dropped. It wasn't even his fault. He gets dropped and his legs get broken. And in that moment, his entire life changes. And his nurse takes him and they flee to this place called, what's it called? Lodibar. Do you know what Lodibar means? It means nothing. Literal direct translation is nothing. It's a place of nothing. Or some versions say no pasture. So it's, we're talking about that, you know, if you've ever driven from like Johannesburg through Bloemfontein to Cape Town, you go through this place called the Karoo. Anybody done that? And you were driving through the Karoo, you get these places where you see a town. And you look at the, the town sign and you blink and then you wonder where, where was the town? <laughs> it's like you just drove past it. It was like, it's like nothing. It's like a one horse dusty town in the middle of Karoo. That's what Lodi Bar is. So he's gone from the palace to where? To Lodi Bar, to a place of nothing where there's no pasture. There's, there's, there's just nothing there. And now he's lame in his feet. So his whole life, starts with such incredible promise and then what happens thereafter is is incredible tragedy there's this tragedy from that moment on he starts living a life in Lodi bar he's lame he can't run around anymore he doesn't have the provision he used to have and on top of that he's in constant hiding because maybe David will find him one day and actually kill him and so he lives this life in fear in rejection, in tragedy, in, in suffering, in pain, in many ways. His whole life changes. Huge potential and then a whole lot of tragedy thereafter. Kind of sounds like 2020 <laughs> in many ways. We started the year 2020. You know, the year a lot of pastors are eating humble pie by by April, when you know, after preaching those New Year's messages of 2020, the year of perfect vision, the, the, the year we're going to step into the perfect vision of God for our lives, you know, so much promise over 2020. There was so even the net, you know, the numbers 2020, biblical significance. It's like there was so much promise at the beginning of the year, and then March, hey, COVID hits. And from that moment onwards, what we're watching is just the statistics of how many infected, how many dying, how many industries are closing down, you know, all the, the, I mean, the airlines, just entire industries decimated in the last seven months. Hotel industries, food, restaurants, just, you know, suddenly they're there, now they're not there anymore. Um, you, I, you know, driving here to, to work in the mornings, there's queues for days going into the post office, people just waiting for grants, waiting for 300 bucks the entire day standing in the sun just to, to get that grant. The, you know, that we were feeding people during lockdown and, and, and sometimes that meal, that was the only meal. That was it. You know, if we didn't respond as a church and bring food into people's homes, they wouldn't have been able to eat. There was nothing. There was, the work had stopped, the finances stopped, everything had stopped. Guess what? Electricity bills carried on. <laughs> Every, all other bills carried on, but income dried up. You know, the last seven months for, for many of us have been a tough time. For many of us, it's been a time of worry. We've lost jobs. A number of our members have, have relocated to Cape Town and Johannesburg because 
their companies have shut down in, in Durban, even in this building. The, the company underneath us that used to be here has closed down and they've, they've moved the entire operation and, and all their staff, 80 to 100 staff, whoosh, without jobs. Just that's underneath us in this, in this building. You know? So, you know, when we, when we look at the last seven months, there's been a lot of tragedy. Some of us have lost loved ones during this time and had to do funerals in lockdown which is just so undignified and just so not right, hey? Just that even in our grief, we, we, we can't grieve properly and with the amount of people we want to be there in that moment. Um, and so a lot of dignity has been robbed. A lot of um, family pressures and financial pressures have happened in the last while. And, um, and not only you know, COVID, but remember Black Lives Matter. That was just a couple months ago. Farm murders just on the increase, and as South Africans, this massive assault against women in our nation for the last couple of months. A massive, like you know, just while while lockdown was great for some people, we got to like enjoy our homes. Other people were locked in a space that was an, that was abusive and tough. And so, you know, in many ways, a number of us can feel like Mephibosheth. <laughs> The year started with a whole lot of promise, and now we're in a place called Lodi Bar. A place of dryness and nothing. Maybe you've lost a lot. Maybe there's been tragedy in your family. Maybe a lot of work pressures, all all of that sort of stuff that has happened. And you know, the thing about Mephibosheth is that a lot of what happened to him wasn't his fault. And we can identify with that, eh? You know, sometimes life just dishes stuff up to you. You know, sometimes it just, you know, you didn't ask for it. Mephibosheth didn't ask to be born in that family. He didn't ask, you know, to, to, to be the king's son. He didn't ask to go live in Lodibar. He didn't, he just, he was just, his nurse dropped him. It wasn't his fault. It, life just dealt him a tough time. And, and some of us can really identify with that. We didn't choose the families we got born into. Amen. We didn't choose to be born in poverty. We didn't choose to be born in abusive homes. We didn't choose that sort of stuff. That, that was just, we didn't choose the economy just to crash this year, did we? I was just chatting to one guy who bought a business just the month before lockdown. Spent everything that he had on a business, and then it was been shut down for seven months. Gone. Bought this entire, this entire thing, just gone, just like that. I spoke to another person who's lost their entire life savings in the last seven months. Just everything gone, just trying to keep things afloat. You know, it's very easy to feel like Mephibosheth in some ways. That life dishes stuff up to us. Man, we didn't have any power over it. We didn't, we, we didn't choose it. But it happens. He, it, it, it happens to us. It's tough in many ways. If that's you this morning, if you look back on the last seven months and it's been tough and it's been hard for you, I want you to know that there's a special grace here this morning and there's a special anointing in the room for healing. There's a special anointing in, in the room, and even if you're watching at home, in your room there, for God to touch you this morning and restore you. You know, the great news about the story we're in right now is that Mephibosheth didn't stay in Lodibar. Grace found Mephibosheth. We're going to read about that now. We're going to, and, and I believe, just as this is why I push pause on the story, is that as we just continue reading the story, 
The grace of God is here this morning. I want you to access it by faith. Okay? You've lost savings, you've lost jobs, you've lost family members, you've lost hope, you've lost a lot of stuff in the last seven months. I want you to know that as we're going to read the next part of the story, there's going to be a release of grace over your life. There's going to be a grace that's going to come and heal you and restore you. Just as we talk about Mephibosheth and he gets called out of Lodibar and he gets called into something incredible and new, which we're going to see right now, I believe God is going to do the same in your life. Just as we release this word, you know, the word of God is alive, it is full of power, it is active, it is operative, it's energizing, it's effective, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it's able to come into your life, it's able to lift you up out of the place that you're in, restore your hope, restore your vision, bring new direction to your life, and catapult you into new opportunities. And I want to say that the past is gone, people. It is gone in Jesus' name. It's time to step into a new chapter with God. It's time to, to stop living in Lodibar, to stop living in a place of defeat. It's time to stop living in a place of life just dishes me up a bad deal all the time. And to focus on the grace of God that is available to us right here, right now in this room where you are at home even. The grace of God is here, people. The grace of God is here and He's going to lift you up and pull you out of Lodibar and bring you into a newness. Amen. All right, let's continue our story. Lionel, amen, is here. Thank you, Lionel. Lionel's so enthusiastic, you know. We, he gets so excited when the Word of God gets preached. <laughs> let's go back to our story, chapter 9, verse 5. Are you there? All right, chapter 9, verse 5. Let these words wash over you. It says, Then King David sent and brought him, Mephibosheth, out of the house of Machir. Can you say Machir? The son of Amiel, can you say Amiel? Amiel? From Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, remember this is the moment he was terrified of. He's been brought before the king that's probably going to kill him. He fell on his face and he prostrated himself. Maybe you just feel like you want to do that. Oh God, I can't carry on. I just want to die. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't handle any more bad news. Can't handle any more difficulties. Throws himself before David, prostrates him. And David says, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. I want to say to you, the Lord is speaking over you today. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear the future. Do not fear what's still to come. Do not fear. Every nation Durban, I want to tell you this morning, do not fear. Do not fear. Good days are ahead. Do not fear. For I will show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I'll restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. That's good news right there. Hey? He was expecting to have his head chopped off. He was expecting... Disaster. This is the final straw. This is what I've been dreading all my life. You know, sometimes when you hear a lot of bad news, all you expect is bad news. The phone can ring and you look at the number and immediately you're thinking, it's more bad news. You know, someone says, I want to have an appointment with you. And you're like, what's it about? No, we'll talk. More bad news. 
The phone rings at night, it's your parents. And there's that expectation of more bad news. Your boss calls you in and it's, that's, is this the day? Am I going to lose my job? You know, sometimes you can be dealt so much tough stuff that your only expectation is for more bad. It's not how we're supposed to live as the, as the people of God. When that phone rings, when that boss calls us in, when our parents ring, our expectation should be for the grace, the goodness, the kindness of God. That's the position that we should be in. That's, we should not be a people of fear expecting the worst. We should be a people of faith expecting the best from our loving Heavenly Father. But sometimes we can get to that place in Lodi Bar. That place of just like, oh, I can't handle anymore. But look at this. Grace finds Mephibosheth and says to him, I'm going to restore to you everything that your father Saul had. What do you mean, David? You're not going to kill me? No, I'm going to restore the whole, everything you had. Your whole life, uh, it's all coming back to you in abundance. Isn't that beautiful? And he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? You know, sometimes hardship can cause you to look at yourself in the wrong way. As a dead dog as I. You know, sometimes you can just feel I'm nothing. I'm just like, you know, I'm just nobody. I'm just going to go nowhere. I'm dead. I mean, just nothing good is going to happen for my life. This is what circumstances can do to us. But look at how David restores to him his identity. And David he bowed himself and says, And the king called Ziba, Saul's servant. Can you say Ziba? Ziba. What's the title of the sermon? Ziba. Ziba. Called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. Everything that Saul had comes to Mephibosheth. That's like you got a, you got a granddad, uncle, twice removed somebody in your line who left an inheritance for you. Okay, that's like getting that kind of message, alright? He's just, everything is just restored to him. Everything. You therefore and your sons and your servants, Ziba, shall work the land for him and you shall get servants, alright? Bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat, but Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my own table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that the Lord, the king has commanded his servant, so your servant will do. Mephibosheth gets incorporated into David's table, into his family. He gets position, he gets place, he gets provision, and he even gets inheritance as well. Grace finds Mephibosheth and brings him out of Lobedibar and into a good place. This is a common story in the Bible, isn't it? The Israelites getting called out of Egypt into a promised land. I mean, we see this Jesus coming and calling Matthew, who's a tax collector, who's just living a life of compromise and, and just, you know, I mean, tax collectors were pretty much gangsters and mafia, you know, like called out, come follow me. This is, this is kind of what God does, doesn't he? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not for harm. Plans to give you a hope and I want you to know that you have hope in front of you. You have a future in front of you. And God's plan is not to keep you in Lodi Bar, but to bring you out of that place and into a good land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Can somebody say amen to that? So, what we also notice in the story 
is that this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. You know, if, if you just look at the names of the people in the story, okay, we have Amiel, Macher, Lodibar, and Mephibosheth. You take a look at these names. Amiel, so where was Mephibosheth? He was in the house of Macher, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Amiel means people of God. Macher means sold or slave. Lodibar is nothing. And Mephibosheth's name means dispeller of shame. People, I want you to see that that's the gospel story of humanity right there. Is that we started off as the people of God, but we got sold into sin and slavery. And so, and then we, we ended up with nothing, no inheritance, no identity, no, we were, the Bible says in, in Ephesians that we were not, we were strangers from the covenants of promise. We were without God, we were without hope in the world, under the control of the prince of the power of air, who works in the sons of disobedience. We're, I mean, we, we talk about slavery, we just, Lodibar is a picture of the world of humanity without God. But look at this. David, in this analogy, represents Father God. And there's this, this, this cry that goes out. David cries out and says, Is there anyone that I can show kindness to because of Jonathan's sake? And God says the same thing. Is there anyone in Lodibar that I can show kindness to for Jesus' sake? Because of Jesus. Because, can you say because of Jesus? God shows us kindness not because we deserve it. Not because we qualify for it. Not because you went to church your whole life. Not because you have read your Bible. Not because you've jumped through all the steps that there are. But because of Jesus. So because of Jesus' sake, He shows kindness and He brings people out of Lodibar. Kind of makes you think, well, I don't know, I read the story and I wonder, like, imagine if Mephibosheth had just met David a lot earlier. <laughs> Amen. How many of you feel like you would have liked to have met Jesus earlier in your life? Hey? Would have saved you a whole lot of pain, a lot of brokenness, a lot of mess. You know, just to meet Jesus a little bit earlier would have been a whole lot better for a lot of us, myself included. I got my hand up. But let me close this message by turning our attention to Zeba. And we'll finish with Zeba this morning. Ziba is not really given any special mention here, but I think he deserves some. Ziba used to serve Saul, but he switched to serving David. Anybody here used to serve the world and you switched to serving Jesus? Anybody here? Anybody here you used to serve money, fame, all those idols of comfort, success, People, you know, that, that whole like people pleasing. They used to serve people and their and plans for your life. And now you serve Jesus. Anybody here? Amen. You made a switch, amen? amen. Who's a better master? Zeba <laughs> is us. Zeba is a picture of the church. 
those who are called out of the world, those who have stopped serving Pharaoh, those who have stopped serving the world system, those who have stopped serving their lustful desires and passions and serving their own dreams and their own hearts, those who have decided to switch and serve Jesus. That's who Ziba is. He's a, there is a picture of the church here. And I want you to see that Ziba is the instrument of grace. He is the link between David and Mephibosheth. We're going to look at that in just a second. Ziba's name means this. It means station, service, army, fight, or strength. I want you to know that that is a picture of the church. Station. We're a service station. Right here. What is this? This is, a, this is like a train station. This is like an airport. All right? People coming in. Getting sent into their destiny and purpose. A station, arrivals and departures, you know. Coming in broken, leaving whole. Coming in not knowing who you are, going into your destiny and your life purpose. Coming in broken from relationships, learning how to build a proper marriage, going into society, raising a good family. The church is a station, man. We're, we're this constant flow of people coming in and we're at the service of the king. We're at the service of the king, but we're an army against injustice as well. We're an army against all that's wrong in this world. We're an army against poverty. We're an army against racism. We're an army against human trafficking and the abuse of women. We're an army against those things. That's who the church is, and we're ready to fight. We're filled with the strength of the Holy Spirit. We are Ziba this morning, guys. Come on. Ziba is a picture of the church. In, once, in, in chapter... In, Chapter 9, verse 1, David says, Is there still anyone from the house of Saul that I may show kindness to because of Jonathan? I want you to know that there is a cry going out from heaven to this day. From the time of the cross to this day, 2,000 people, we're in the last of the last days, people. From that time to this time, there is a cry going out from heaven saying, Is there anyone still in the house of Saul? Still in Satan, still in Lodibar, still in bondage, still in brokenness that I might show kindness to and grace to because of Jesus Christ. There's a cry from heaven saying, I want to show kindness. I want to show grace. I want to forgive sins. I want to redeem a life. I want to bring somebody out of a dark place and I want to put them in their destiny. I want to take them from nothing and give them their inheritance. There's a cry from heaven. And look at Ziba. Ziba hears the cry. Ziba hears the cry and says, I know someone. I want to ask you, Ziba, this morning. You're Ziba, okay? Do you know somebody in the house of Saul, somebody in Lodibar, who needs the grace of God, who needs the kindness of God, who needs the, the, the love of Jesus in their life? Do you know just one? Do you know just one? Just one. Do you know anybody in your life now? Just think in your life right now. If you are Ziba and there is a cry and God's saying, I want to show kindness, is there one that you know? Is there just one that you know is still in that, all, in that place, in that dark place? They're without God, without hope, slaves to their passions, serving idols. Do you, do you know someone like that? Ziba, do you know someone? Ziba responds, says, yes, I do. I do. It's like Isaiah 6, which Sandila read this morning. There is this throne room encounter that Isaiah has. He comes into the throne room of God. How many of you want to go into the throne room of God? 
Amen. I want to ascend to the throne room. I want to have some throne room encounters, okay? Isaiah comes into this throne room encounter. The power and majesty of God. Cherubime, seraphime, zimana, zikubaba, za, ziti, uyintwele, uyintwele, uyintwele. They're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But what is the, what is the message from the throne? Isaiah 6 verse 9, I think, or 8. Who will go for us? Who can I send? Who will go for us? I want you to know that the cry from the throne is who will go for us? The gospel. Can I have your Bible? This gospel, this gospel was not given to angels to preach. This message of the kindness of God, the grace of God, was not given to the angels. It was given to us. We've been entrusted with a beautiful message. A message that says, it doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter how bad life has dished up, what life gave you. There is a God. And He can turn it all around. And He wants to bring you into a good place. He knows the plans He has for you. Not plans to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And He's given us this message. He's given it to Ziba. Ziba takes the message and he goes and he brings Mephibosheth. And he, and he comes before David. And we'll look at Ziba's heart. He says, verse 2, he says, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. In verse 11, he says, to David, according to all that the Lord, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. Ziba understands he's a servant of the king. Church, we're having a repurposing moment this morning. A recommissioning moment this morning. Let's never forget that we are servants of the Most High God. Ziba understood that he was a servant. You know, sometimes in this crazy, self-seeking, comfort-seeking world, lascivious world that we live in, sometimes we get it so wrong that God is there as our personal genie to serve us. And we get so mad at Him that He's not doing what, he, what we want Him to do in our lives. Let's just flip that around for a moment. We are His servants. We are, you know, He serves us. He blesses us. Amen? But we are His servants. Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master. The master knows who he is. He's the master. The king knows who he is. Do we know who we are? We are servants of the Most High God. We are Ziba. Ziba then gets commanded. I'll finish with this. He then gets commanded by the king to work on Mephibosheth's inheritance so that it can provide and feed Mephibosheth's family. For me, that is a beautiful picture of discipleship. Ziba goes and fetches Mephibosheth. All right, he reached. Okay. The work didn't stop once Mephibosheth was reached. The work then got <laughs> more. Even <laughs> he then had to work Mephibosheth's inheritance so that there was provision for his family. That for me is a picture of discipleship. Mephibosheth was then feeding. That's a picture of training. 
That's a picture of imparting. That's a picture of raising up, looking after the house of God. We are called as a family not just to reach those Mephibosheths, but then to disciple them as well. Teach them how to walk in their inheritance. Teach them about water baptism. Teach them about the Holy Spirit. Make sure they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Teach them how to be a good husband and wife and live out their destiny and purpose and calling in God. We are here to reach, disciple, and impact family. Guys, we've been out of the building for seven months. And we're back in the building now. As we come back, let's remember the purpose that God has called us to. Let's remember what we are commissioned with as Every Nation Durban. You know, if we're going to be in business, we've got to know what we're in business for. What are we in business for? To reach, disciple, and impact. We are Ziba. I want to ask you, is there anyone out there? Have you heard the cry? Are you, are you reaching anyone? Are you, are you, have you brought somebody in? Are you discipling them? And are you living a life of impact? We used to serve the idols of this world. Now we serve the King of Kings. Let's remember how bad it was serving those idols and how good it is serving the King of Kings. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Avi, if you wouldn't mind just playing that song that I want us to play, I want to just have a moment of ministry for all of us in the room. The song is New Wine. If you need healing from just the, the craziness of the last seven months, I really believe it's here. <laughs> I really believe it's here. It's here. It's in this room. You can receive that healing this morning. Let's just pray for it. Father, I thank you that you're bringing out new wine. Lord, for everyone who's broken, hurt, been in a place of difficulty, Lord, I just thank you for a, a washing of your word this morning. I thank you for a fresh start. I thank you for a newness, a hope, a strength, a life, a power, a newness of heaven. Lord, I call for heaven to release upon your people this morning a fresh fire, Lord God. A fresh anointing, Lord. A new wine, Lord God. And Lord, we pray these words. We came here with nothing. (laughs) All you have given to us, Lord. Bring new wine from us. Let this be a season of reaching, discipling, and impacting like we've never done before, God. Let us rise up and be the zebras in our generation. Let us be the church on fire for you, Lord, with a passion for reaching, a passion for taking the gospel to those who need it, Lord God. Let's have a moment. Let's just worship the King. And Can you just recommission yourself this morning, repurpose your life around the most important thing, which is serving the King. Can you just... Remind yourself that we are servants of the King this morning.
Let's sing it. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. But came here with nothing. And all you have given me. Out of me, Jesus, bring new wine. Out of Jesus, Durban, Bluetooth hugs, love you. If you're a first time visitor, just want to invite you to our Connect Zone. Take your flag to the Connect Zone. There's a treat for you. We want to get to know you. We want to welcome you. Make sure you're our VIP today, okay? If you're here for the first time, you're our VIP. We've got a treat there for you. We'll see you again next week. God bless you. Amen. Seven two. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.